0: This is the Confident Collective Podcast with your hosts, Christina Zias and Rayanne Langis, two plus-size models and body activists here to get
1: real and candid about living your most confident life. Get ready for powerful conversations that will leave you laughing, motivated, and inspired.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Confident Collective Podcast. We are on week three in our month of love series. That's right.
1: I'm so excited. I I hope that you guys are enjoying this month of love because for me, it's been super
0: fun. Yeah. I'm like, feel, I am feeling the love. Let me tell you. You yeah. want to know something funny? What? I was really, so while we're doing the month of, why we are doing the month of love is because of Valentine's Day Yes. and I was, you know, kind of seeing this guy for a little bit And when I say that, I mean four dates. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but at the trajectory he was going, I was like...
1: No, I thought we were going to go on couples dates soon. I thought he was your boyfriend.
0: I did go on a double date with him and Hannah. Oh, that's right. Already. I forgot about that. Anyway, I was like, starting to feel cringy about Valentine's Day. I'm like, oh, he's going to want to do something on Valentine's (laughs) Day. He's (laughs) going to want to do... Alas... I am single again (laughs) (laughs) and I have no plan Valentine's Day plan. So I just thought that was funny. I was like, at one point I really did think that I was going to have to be like, I don't want to do anything crazy. I don't want to do anything cringy, you know, Yeah. because there's nothing worse than like Valentine's Day when you first start dating someone. It's so awkward. It's that you don't know how to handle it. It's like not even like, it's not a big deal, right? But
1: like, it is a big deal because you don't want it to be a big big deal. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. You can make it into a big deal, for sure. Honestly, I think Valentine's Day, and especially going out on Valentine's Day, is so overrated. Mm -hmm. First of all, it's impossible to get reservations. Second of all, every restaurant has, like, bullshit-ass prefix menus. Fuck that. No. So, you're not missing anything, babe. (sighs) Thanks. Anyway, that's... But I'm crazy about holidays. Yeah, I saw your Valentine's Day wish list. I know. That was really for things that I want to get myself. Yeah, for sure. But also, I do do this thing where like, oh, I just can't even get into it Wait, right now. What
0: are you guys doing on Valentine's Day? We're
1: going up to Santa Inez. Oh, I'm yes. actually really excited about it because my family is coming into town. They'll be here. Wait, What? Yeah. You did not tell me this. Wait, yes, I did. You did not tell me this. Really? Oh yeah,
0: you did. I did. You did you did because your dad and sister are here for you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Did I
1: have this whole conversation by myself? <laughs> yeah. My um dad and sister are both have jobs out here weirdly for the same event. So they both have to entertain clients. And so my mom came too. So my family is gonna be in town and my parents are gonna stay with Nicholas and Steve and I are going away to Santa Inez. Which is pretty close. It's about like an hour and a half, two hours from Los Angeles. Yeah. And it's wine country. So I'm just like excited to explore somewhere new and just to have some solo time without Nicholas.
0: Oh, you can have some, which is kind of what we talked about. In this episode, but we'll get to that later. Yes, exactly. So we're going to have some sexy Steve time. That was weird. I just said that. That's fine. That felt weird. It didn't feel weird to me. Okay, good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I do have something that I cannot stop thinking about. And I actually feel like it goes into today's conversation as well. So this is gonna be a little bit of a ramp. I'm obsessed with it and Um, I haven't um, stopped thinking about it. And I've been talking about it with a lot of my friends. I'm sending it in group chat. So I'm just gonna share it with you guys here. Did you
0: wait to send it to me so we could chat about it now? No, I didn't even send it to you. I know you haven't sent
1: it to me. That's what I'm saying. Yes, 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 that's why. That's why. That's why I'm like, why haven't I
0: seen this yet? Yes, because well, one,
1: because it's has to do with parenting. So that's why. But two, I just sent it to you. So there has been this cartoon comic going around. I'm sure you've seen it, but pretty much it is all about the double standards of like moms and dads. So like we'll put it in the Facebook group. So make sure to follow the Facebook group so you can see it there. But it's pretty much like two parents, mom and a dad coming home with fast food. The dad's a fun dad. The mom's like a lazy mom. There's like to a mom and a dad reading their child, the book, the dad's like babysitting, but the mom's parenting. There's this one that like really killed me, but it's like two parents dropping off their kids at school. And it's like, Oh, look how involved the dad is. And, oh, look, there's a working mom just dropping her kid off at school. And it's pretty much the most accurate fucking thing ever. And it just has really been upsetting me. And honestly, I have felt this way, and I haven't even talked to you about it since our episode with Dr. Viviana, and I couldn't get it out of my head because we talked a little bit about how relationships change after having kids. And she gave a lot of advice, and she said that one of the main things is that women stop being wives, and they start just being moms and kind of like alienating their husbands in that relationship. And at the time, I was like, you know what? I have for sure done that. That felt very true to my relationship. But then I started thinking about it, thinking about it, and I was like literally losing sleep over it. And it started to make me so mad. And I wish I like talked about it more with her then. But in the moment I was like, yeah, she's right. I do do that. Like what she was saying was accurate for me. But literally that put no responsibility on the fucking guy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like just as women and as moms, you have to take on so much responsibility. And there's such a huge double standard for men and women as parents. And I catch myself too. Like I'm always, I mean, I do think that Steve is a real equal parent and is really great, but like, it's just what would be expected of a mom. Do you know what I mean? What a woman does that is expected is a man going above and beyond. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm just obsessed with that. And I didn't realize how much it bothered me until I saw that comic.
0: Yeah. And I've actually seen people posting this on TikTok. Like this woman, like literally made a grocery list for her husband Mm -hmm. and like put pictures and like wrote down (laughs) what aisle the shit was on. And it's like someone stitched it and was like, this is where we're at. Yeah. Like, yes, it's kind of funny, but it's like, this is where we're at. Yeah. A grown man can't Can't go go to the grocery store without you giving him a...
1: color-coded list with the aisles with the, and everything
0: I'm like that is like it makes me sick yes and I think what I think like you're Steve you, you guys are doing a great job like mm-hmm. being parent like parents together and like taking all you know equal responsibility and like that's one thing when I am look as I'm looking for a partner I want a man who is like up with the, we are with the times. Right. Totally. This is not the 1950s anymore. Mm-hmm. Like w- he, you need to be an equal person in this relationship. 100%. We are partners. Right. Especially because like
1: you know like you've seen like a lot of those TikToks too that are like like women who who decided women should work. That was the fucking dumbest idea ever. <laughs> like have you seen those TikToks? I don't think I have. Oh my gosh. Well, we're on two different talks, but Anyway, I've seen the one where it's like the feminism leaving my body. Yeah, it's kind of like that same sort of idea. Um, But if you're like both, if two partners are both working, like they should both take on the same household duties as well, too. Like if you're Mm both monetarily providing the same, like then you need to split everything else as well. Yeah. And anyways, I was reading like reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle and she talks a lot about like raising a son, too, and how she like – Was making sure that like her women was like this strong, confident woman, but then realized she wasn't like teaching her son to be like domestic and nurturing as well. Mm -hmm. So like it's things I think about and things that I'm proud that like Nicholas will see Steve, he does our grocery shopping, you know what I mean? And like loading the dishwasher and stuff like that. Anyways, I think it's just really important to have that balance, but there is such a double standard and it really bothers me, yeah. and I'm sure ever i am sure most, all women feel that way, but especially if you're a mom. Mm-hmm. I know you can relate.
0: So yeah, Damn. that's some things I've been thinking about. What about you, Ray? Well, my obsessed with is kind of random. Okay, I can't wait. So I was hanging out with this guy last night for the second time. I guess you could call it a second date, and um, he was like, "Okay." I, I told him I had a podcast, whatever. He was like really into it. And I was like, you cannot listen to it. Yeah. Do not. I'm like, do not listen. Mm -hmm. I swear to God. Um, Anyway, he was like, you know what would make a good episode? I'll come on and ask you and Christina these questions. They tell you a lot about about yourself. And we got too impatient. We ended up doing it last night. He asked me these questions. And I'm going to kind of probably butcher it.
1: (laughs) Okay. Do you have the questions written No, it's in
0: my head. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) But supposedly, and I've seen people do this on TikTok and it's supposed to like tell you about yourself. Okay. okay so I'm just going to lead this scenario to you and ask you questions. And oh I gosh, just I'm want so, you to answer. Wait, you're
1: putting me on the spot
0: so much. I'm no, so it's nervous. not. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. So just listen to me. All right. Okay, just let me vibe. I'm going to be. I'm okay. So breathe. I want you to picture you walk into this big white room, you have an empty room, no furniture. It's just a big room. You walk in. What, what color is the room? White. Okay, so you're in this you're in this white room now, mm-hmm. and I want you to picture a cube in the room. Okay, is the cube what color is the cube? White. Okay, is it floating? Is it on sitting on something? It's on the ground. It's on the ground. Okay, mm-hmm. now I want you to I want you to picture a ladder. Mm-hmm. Where where do you see the ladder? See is the, it close? Is it close to the cube? Is it far away? I see is it, it. Kind of far away. It's like on the other side of the room. On the other side of the room. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now I want you to picture there. There's a horse in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, is Is this horse like tied to a fence? Is Is it free? Is it Is it walking around? What's it, What's the horse doing? The horse is with some hay and water, but it's chained. It has like a tie to the wall. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? what? what color is the horse? Ooh, it's brown. It's brown. Okay. And now there's a storm. Okay. Is this like how do you picture the storm? Is it when you first when I first said that? Is it really intense or is it kind of a light drizzle? What yes. did you picture? I pictured it like super gray and cloudy out with just rain that
1: kind of makes you feel warm, like you want to read a book next to the horse.
0: <gasps> a bug just flew in my nose. Did you see that? No. Jesus Christ. Um. Okay. Okay. So. And now is the storm, it, or the storm, in, is it inside the, inside the cube or no, is it outside, outside the cube? You could
1: see it from the big windows. You,
0: oh, you have windows in your cube.
1: Okay. Yes. In our cube, your room. My room has huge windows.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. So now I'm going to tell you what this says about you. Oh my gosh. I'm
1: so nervous. Okay. But see, I don't
0: really know because I just learned this last okay, night. Okay. So this is going to be butchering it, but whatever. Okay. So you... The fact that I said like white room and then kind of went on tangent, but you still knew it was white, means you're pretty focused. Do you have good focus? Okay. The fact that you said your cube was on the ground mm-hmm. means you're a re- you're a grounded person. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot to ask something. Was your ladder? How, was your ladder small ladder or a big ladder? Or
1: like what was it? It was a big ladder, but it's not like one of those standing ladders. Like.
0: It was it's, leaning against the leaning wall. It's leaning against the wall. Okay. Oh, that's what I pictured too. Mm. For me or oh, for fuck, you? Oh, fuck. I forgot oh. to ask you another thing. Oh my gosh. You're the worst When, you, <laughs> <laughs> when you pictured your cube, when mm-hmm. you pictured your cube, in relation to the room, how big was it? Like teeny tiny, like a, like a medium, like really big, took up the whole room. Like what was it?
1: Um, I would say it's like. I picture posing on it, so like it's pretty big. Like you picture posing on it, yeah. Like it's like the size of this table, but a little bit taller.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. So the size of the cube is like the size of your ego, supposedly. Mm-hmm. So you have like a pretty, you, you know. Okay, but that's pretty good. That's it's good in relation to the room. In relation to the room, We're wasn't at, very big. Some yeah. people will say it's taken up the whole room. Okay, you know yeah. what I mean. The ladder represents kind of like your, your career and your aspirations. So you have a really tall ladder. Mm -hmm. So you have high career goals, high aspirations with your career. It's very important to you, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. Mm -hmm. The horse represents your partner. Mm -hmm. So you have a bit of a, you like to have a little bit of like a a tie to your partner. Like a little leash. He's tied up. Mm. And it was interesting. Usually if you say a girl horse, boy horse, you said he, so you said he's brown. So you have a male partner, which is aligned. Mm-hmm. And this is where I don't know if this guy was, was fucking with me, but he was like, you said <laughs> you said brown. So in my experience, women who say that are really into black men if their horse is brown. Interesting. I've never been with a black man. So Steve, I'm surprised you didn't say a big white Clydesdale because that's what I feel like Steve would be. But, you know, this is just a theory. Mm-hmm. Then the, the fact that you're... I forgot to ask you not.
1: <laughs> What's the other question, Rand? <laughs> okay, pick, I want you to picture flowers. Okay.
0: How, tell me how many are there and what color are they? The entire floor is not covered with flowers. It's not.
1: They. It is. The entire floor is covered with flowers and it looks like I am in a fucking wildlife, like beautiful blossom. Like imagine like Every, the poppy field yes. but of wildflowers. Like I picture pinks, purples, and whites. Okay.
0: Wow. Okay. So that represents your offspring. So mm-hmm. it could mean that you want a lot of offspring or it's very important to you. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, your, your, your offspring is important to you. There are probably other things, but I don't know. Cause I just learned this last night. Okay. Then the, the fact that the storm was outside was interesting to me because my storm was happening inside the, inside my room. So outside means that you're able to supposedly like kind of car compartmentalize your problems a little bit. They're not like when they happen, they don't f- throw you completely off kilter. You're able to like.
1: I feel like that's think accurate the, for me.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. So those are the questions. And I think I kind of butchered that, but I thought what about I was the intrigued? windows. The windows are a new thing to me. <laughs> I don't know about the windows. My room didn't have windows. Wait, was your, so were your answers similar to mine? Similar. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I white room medium cube on the floor tall, leaning ladder on a mm-hmm. wall, flowers all over the floor, mm-hmm. but my horse is brown. Interesting. My horse is brown, too. Oh, it, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. My, and, but my horse is free. Oh, interesting. Which is interesting because in my past relationships, I've been... Ha- excuse me. In my past relationship, I have been very like, I need to know what you're doing. I'm a mm-hmm. crazy bitch. So it was interesting. Cool. I like that. I'm just more chill now, I guess. But anyway, that was our little activity for the day. So... What is your, what's your product of the week?
1: You're wearing them. No. Okay. So my product of the week, if you guys follow me on Instagram, TikTok, you heard me talk about these so much, but I'm obsessed with Abercrombie jeans. I love them. (laughs) I've literally, I think that like my body has just changed a lot, especially since I had Nicholas and finding pants is so incredibly difficult for me. And I wear jeans so often and I love Abercrombie jeans. They go up to a size thirty-seven. They have um, so many washes, petite, regular, and tall. And I love that they have tall because that's always been like a thing for me. So many washes, so many cuts. I personally love the '90s ultra high rise the best. I pretty much have tried them all on. Um, But I think that if you're looking for pants, if you're someone like I just think that finding pants is so hard, especially if you don't have like a flat stomach that is like the biggest thing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyways, I could not recommend them enough. They also always go on sale. Yep. So they're just such a great, such a great purchase. And I feel like in my journey, in my body confidence journey, especially after having a baby, they're one thing that has always made me feel more confident.
0: I love that. And isn't it crazy how much of a shift that is from how, what they were when we were younger? I know. Well, I always loved Abercrombie. Oh yeah, you were on that jean wall. Honey. I was on that jean wall. I love Abercrombie jeans. That's all I wear. Mm-hmm. Me too. I wear the I wear the 90s high-rise in a 32 long.
1: I wear them in a 33 long. And then I just got the dad jeans as well. The dad jeans are actually my favorite. Okay, so the dad, like dad jeans they didn't
0: fit me as well. They changed the cut of them because my one pair I wear every single day. Yeah. I got like when they first... Came out mm-hmm. And I feel like they're different Because now I have another pair And they're not the same Yeah And I needed
1: a smaller size In the dad jeans Yeah And I needed the curved love In the dad jeans I think because they sit A little bit lower Or some re- something about them Like different. the waist was way too big on me Like in the back Like it was gaping Yes But I can't recommend got- them enough On my like Instagram page And we'll link it here In the show notes as well <laughs> I have like so many of my favorites So you can see there too
0: Amazing um, My product this week Is actually a book mm Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton. She also wrote Ghosts, Ghost, sorry. And this is her like, I don't know if i would call it an autobiography, memoir. I don't know, it's about her life. As a single woman in my late 20s, It is like this woman is inside my brain
1: Mm.
0: and speaking exactly how I feel about things that that is, is happening in my life with like friends, getting married, friends, having babies or dating, being single. It is, it is like, it is so good. And I think every single woman should read it who is in like around our age. Is she single at your age as well? So I haven't finished it, okay. but she's single right now. Okay. And it is so... I honestly, Who is she? I, have ne- I haven't even Googled this author. Mm-hmm. The first book I read from her was Ghost because someone, uh, someone recommended it to me. And I am like, I need to stalk her. And I'm like, we, I want to try and get her on the pod because I'm obsessed with this woman. Okay. Well, I'm excited. I want, I'm going to add that to my list now that I'm a reader. Now that you're a reader, mm-hmm. it is... So good,
1: so okay. Well, I love that. Um, by the way, real quick, a few things. One, I think we need to start confident collective book club up because I am. We got a lot of things on the. I t- know, t- I know, t- I, know I know, but I, I just know. think that would be like a fun thing to do. Okay. So that's just something I've been thinking about. Well, now
0: that we've said it, we got to fucking hold ourselves mm-hmm. accountable because people are getting pissed about
1: this beach volleyball. I we know, keep I know, I know. Um, Another thing, first of all, thank you guys so much for sharing the podcast on Instagram. And Please like, really I cry. wanted to say, we get so many messages and I love it so much. If you enjoy this podcast, if you could take a moment to rate us on Apple, it would mean so much. We are so close to 300... Reviews. Oh well, If we get 300 reviews, I would be so happy. Can we get us to 300 reviews, please? Let's make this a team effort. It would really mean a lot to us. So, anyways, if you take the time, we appreciate you. We really appreciate Should you. Should we get into today's episode?
0: Yes. Today we are talking about confidence in the bedroom. Uh uh-huh, huh. Yes, and we have on Raquel Savage, who is. She does so many things. Mm-hmm. I I said she has an empire. She does. She is a therapist, sex worker, um podcaster. Podcaster. I'm like there's so and many things. And she's an
1: educator. She's an educator.
0: I think that is the perfect word that sums up everything she does and it's so I think it's cool because she she talks about like she literally will teach you how to suck a suck a dick and give a good blow job and then also teach you how to overcome maybe sexual trauma that you've had and i think that's so like as women that is both that is like we experience both and it's so important to talk about both and um today we just pick her brain on on confidence when it comes to feeling good about yourself in the bedroom absolutely uh so without further ado let's welcome raquel Welcome, Raquel, to the Confident Collective podcast. How are you doing?
2: I'm, you know, I'm doing my best. It's just we're doing our best. We're what going into almost year three of a panty. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I before we started recording, I said, I have a shirt, a dress tucked in a sweatpants. So <laughs> this is where I'm still
1: there that I, is that is it that is I, we're awesome all, in that show. we're literally on surviving mode. yesterday I did a photo shoot without pants because I like literally forgot the pants and I was like you know what no one's gotta know it'll be fine it'll be fine
0: yeah fuck it exactly fuck it. I mean, maybe they turned out even hotter. These I photos hope. are going to be hotter. I hope
1: so. It was, they were family photos. Okay, like, can't family photos. <laughs> just stay tuned. I'm so nervous to see.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, Raquel, can you introduce yourself to our audience? I feel like you do so many different things and you just are like, you have like your empire over there. So can you share with our audience all of the amazing things that you do?
2: Yeah. So I am Raquel Savage. My pronouns are she and her. I introduce myself typically as a therapist, educator, and sex worker. However, like you said, the empire is very broad. So yeah, I do a lot of educational content for my Patreon, both like related to therapy and like trauma and sex education stuff. So like on my Patreon, you can get a span of like how to sub dick and then like how to process trauma. It's a... Mm -hmm. a large range of things which I think is really reflective of who I am as well Um, and then I have kink media group which is a production company I started where I executive produce different creative projects for black and brown folks queer folks sex workers and that's also where my podcast the savage like podcast is housed Um, and then I have zepp wellness center which is a nonprofit I started same demographic I started right? black and brown queer and trans sex workers survivors and we offer free mental health and healing services, like therapy and yoga and art classes. And we have a run really fun. So that's like the most brief version, I guess, of all of the things that I do.
0: Amazing. Wow. And how did you get into this field of work?
2: So by field of work, do you mean sex work, therapy, sex education,
0: doing, I guess, where did, where did it start for you?
2: Well, I would say that it started early in my life that I am just a rebellious bitch and I refuse to do things that I don't want to do. So it was that early like personality trait that was like, actually I'm not, I I, I have like four different um, nine to five kind of jobs when I was in like high school and college. So I like worked wow. at Subway and I worked at some other fucking thing. I was like a barista and then, no, I did all these things and I was like, this fucking sucks. Like this is actually, and everyone's like, Oh, this is what you this is just what you do. I'm like, yeah. actually, it's fucking not what I'm gonna do.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and so yeah, that kind of informed me needing to figure out what I actually want to do. And um, I went to undergrad for business communications and and I had a mentor kind of say to me, like, what's your niche? What's your thing? Like, how are you gonna what is the thing that you do? And I was like, I'm
0: I'm a whore. Like I <laughs> You're like, let's talk about sex, baby.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And um, I'm also someone who like everyone approached about advice about sex and knowledge about sex, even before I probably knew what I was talking about. So I just decided to figure out a way to make that like my thing professionally. And so, yeah, (laughs) meant 10 years later, here I am.
1: It's so funny because like for me, like sex has always been so hard to talk about and I've just always been uncomfortable and insecure. And I think because I grew up in a household where like, I mean, no one was talking about sex. I didn't want to talk about sex with my parents anyways. You know what I mean? But like, even with my friends, like I never felt confident talking about it. So seeing someone like you who's like so empowered and talking about it so friendly, it inspires me to be like, wait a minute. Like you can talk <laughs> about sex and be a confident bitch and it'd be totally okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's. I feel like I have gotten this question so frequently recently around like, how am I so confident and how am I so open with sex um, and talking about sex and feeling confident with my body and like all of these different things. And I'm always so fascinated, to, fascinated to see how people experience me and to um, be affirmed in like my impact on people. And also just consistently name that. It's just, I think it goes back to the rebellious piece. Like I'm just going to do what I want to do and like, mm-hmm. Like your response to that is whatever it's going to be, but I'm going to do my thing. And for me, I think that was largely informed by a, I think I just naturally have this personality trait. I'm also autistic. So I think that's part of it too. It's just, just like, I don't conceptualize doing things differently. I just, this is what I want to do. Why would I not do what I want to do? Right. So like the whole social masking thing, I'm like, I don't fucking get it. Um, So there's that. I also think my family upbringing, although I definitely had scenarios similar to what you just said, where. Like it was icky to talk about sex. I had a family who really affirmed um agency and autonomy, and like you make your own decisions. decisions So it wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. like you make your own decisions about sex. It was just like generally you get to decide about things. Mm-hmm. You also get to experience the consequences of things. Right. And so yeah, that early like instilling agency in me like boosted the rebelliousness, and then. My grandfather was a Methodist minister, but he also like housed black and brown folks and married gay folks and advocated for women and clergy in the church. So he was like rebellious wow. in his own right. And then his wife was an asex certified sexuality fucking teacher. That's um, cool. And this was like in the fifties, and it's like minister's wife, what the fuck? And she's like people how to masturbate and orgasms. So it's kind of also in my blood, I guess. Totally.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it runs in your, it's in your blood, it's in your family. And for me too, like when it comes to sex, I grew up going to Christian school, kindergarten through eighth grade. And like, my parents are very chill though. It was all like, I was like going to save myself from marriage. And, and it's only been recently in the last year, honestly, where I've really felt like free to talk about sex and like exploring sexually. And, and honestly, it feels like it, for me, it's been super empowering. And I feel like I've been like hiding this thing in like, inside for so long. And now I'm like, I feel like it's all I talk about now. <laughs> um, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, so it's just interesting. I think your background has a lot to do with how you like think about sex and your openness around it. Yeah,
2: definitely. And I think something that people don't think about is, it makes sense when we have families who are directly like disgusted around talking about sex and sexuality. Like when we have families who are like that makes you a slut or keep your legs closed or, you know, things like that. However, there's also a large impact when our families don't talk about things at all. So maybe they don't even have like a negative viewpoint. It's just that it's not talked about Mm -hmm. Um, because the lack of conversations around the thing, whether it's like lack of conversation around your vulva or lack of conversation around pleasure, consent, whatever, um, that instills shame too. So there's like different versions of ways that we can internalize shame, even if it's not directly like you whore, right? Like it's right. options for creating that and then having to work through it.
0: Yeah, that's so spot on. So we asked our audience, what is their like biggest, not hang up, but insecurity or kind of struggle in the bedroom? And overwhelmingly, It was people, women feeling insecure in their bodies, feeling self-conscious about their roles. I would say stomach. I can't, I was so shocked with how many women said, well, I actually am not shocked, but kind of made me sad. How many women said that they're self-conscious of how their partner sees their stomach? Um, So I'm wondering, do you have any words of wisdom or advice on how women can start to embrace their body in the bedroom so they can stop worrying about that and start enjoying themselves?
2: Yeah, really quick when you said um, a lot of them says things about their stomach. Why don't people ever talk about back fat? Like I have so much back fat. I'm not, I mean, I have a stomach too, but I've also had lipo. So there's like, it's like I've gained weight, but it's not the same kind of a belly as pre-lipo. If that makes sense. But anyway, I've always had so much back fat. And then as I've gained weight post lipo, the back fat is like out of pocket. And like, no one ever talks about back fat. Like bitches are insecure about back fat too. Is that not a thing? <laughs>
1: No, I think it's because, okay, like if you're thinking about like two like super common like positions that people are having sex, either like women are laying on their back so you're not seeing their back or, and I think this is the most common is like if you, uh, if you're on top and as a woman, like a lot of times you get more pleasure when you're on top and you're controlling the situation, your stomach is like out front and center. So if you're worried about like your fupa or your belly rolls or stretch marks, like it is literally right there in a guy's face and it's like, yeah, so it's hard if that is your insecurity to all of a sudden feel like this sure, sexy yeah, like prowess when you're like, shit, he's definitely looking at my roles right now.
2: Of course. I want more back fat solidarity. So shout out <laughs> to everybody out there yes. who has back
1: fat. I um, kind of love my back fat. I'm like, damn, those roles are sexy. You. Sometimes
0: I'm like, they're cute. Look yeah, through them back there. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, But yeah, no, it totally
2: makes sense. And I think just anecdotally, um, I never personally, so like pre-lipo, I for sure had a belly um, and I actually was shaped like a fucking uh, refrigerator square (laughs) and just big backed and big bellied. And I had big boobs too, but no butt. So just, um, yeah. And for, for whatever reason, I just never gave a fuck about the belly. It's like, what are we? So, and, and I totally understand generally why women have insecurities about our bodies because look at the culture in which we exist. Like we quite literally are socialized to believe that our existence revolves around how we look um, and specifically how we look as it pertains to like being sexy, but not sexy in a way that is affirming for us sexy in a way that is appealing to men mm-hmm. yes so it's like a, a lot of heavy socialization from early on around what we look like in our appearance and how we hold our you know hold ourselves and it makes a lot of sense and I think I I also think it's like it is informed by what era you were in and I think I'm seeing a lot of conversation like on TikTok about this where I don't know how old y'all are, all y'all are but I'm 30 and my generation was like the people who were called fat then it, were not fat at all weren't even like mini fat they were mm-hmm. no, like what so our conceptualization then which now impacts us as adults too was that being like a fucking size eight or something is fat so that your whole mindset is just totally warped um and I do love that this generation is taking back some of that space and uh, naming fat phobia as they see it and, and working through it. So, I really think, honestly, the beginning place for people who are struggling with how they feel about their body um, and wanting to, to work through that, both generally and how it exists in the bedroom, is first naming and learning about fat phobia, how fat phobia shows up within our culture, how it shows up in your family, um, how it showed up in your childhood, and how you have internalized it, because it's hard to it's damn near impossible to move through anything with your body. If you're not recognizing the system in which, uh, informs it,
1: if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yes. You almost have to like unlearn all of that. Correct. You
2: got to learn about it and then unlearn it. It's like, okay, why is it that, this certain body type is what is considered appealing. And this isn't. And why is it the medical system um, says that this BMI is blah, 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 and how it impacts your health. And thinking about even ableism, I was just having a conversation with someone around uh, health versus like unhealthy and how that is inherently ableist, because there are some bodies that cannot be healthy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fucking matter if you do CrossFit and you do a fucking Weight Watchers, the body cannot be healthy and so removing like the moral component of good or bad from health um i think is a large part of it too because we get into this like if you're skinny then you're good and you're successful and you've won and if you're fat then you have lost and you're bad and you're ugly and not worthy right and it's like all of this moral shit it's like a body is a fucking body Mm -hmm. you exist in it yep it's fine
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm Yeah. And I think too, what's helped me is honestly seeing like women who are my size in relationships. And even like, also, I don't know if, you know, people watch porn, like watching porn that have diverse body types. I'm trying to think or ex confessions is one where I I don't, I'm, I'm new to, I don't really watch porn. So this is, I'm like speaking from very uneducated aspect right now, but just thinking about how like I changed my perception of body by following people on social media who I, who I identified with, I would think like seeing women who are Perceived as sexy and in you know relationships and and in a sexual way, who have a body type like yours, that is going to naturally start to rewire how you think about what is sexy and what is sensual or whatever.
2: Right? Absolutely, I think that we have a lot of representation that are bodies that feel inaccessible for most folks, um, and don't even reflect the majority of how most of us look. So mm-hmm. if you're is entirely of women who have had lipo and bbl or women who are fucking fitness crossfit whatever the fuck and pilates and 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 they're on diets and they're pushing uh juice cleanses and shit yeah that and we spend so much fucking time on social media so that's going to impact um or rather you're going to internalize what you're seeing so if you are able to shift completely that's like i think a step one of Switching your environment to be more affirming to you is. I need to unfollow a bunch of fucking people, and I need to follow more people who look like me or who are just doing things that bring them joy. And it's not even about their bodies at all. It's like they like to fucking paint, or they're taking walks, or they're out in nature, or whatever. And it's just not even centered around um, appearance. The other thing I was going to say is similar to the naming and then unpacking fat phobia is thinking more critically um, around how we understand our relationships and specifically like cis women who dates has had men again with how we're socialized. We largely believe that our worth is tied to if we're chose by a man and if we're attractive to men yes. and if men pick us and mm-hmm. all of that and like what it means to be partnered with a man and um, the ways that that benefits you and how you get to brag and how you feel and all of that. And I think that that's an important piece to think about too, is just how a lot of bullshit that is, because we know from studies and we also know anecdotally that women who partner with men are actually not really happier. So it's not really a win. Um, But of course, it's set up like that societally. So I think thinking about who you are separate from what it means to be chosen by a man is is an important thing too.
0: That is so spot on and something I really struggled with earlier this year we did an episode on this cause I was putting so much value and I still struggle with it on the attention I was getting from men. And if yeah. I wasn't getting that, I was feeling like shit about myself. And I was like, this is so fucked. Like I like, and I don't, and and it was something I really had to like uh, kind of unpack and like work through. I'm, I'm still working through, but that is so, that is so spot on what mm-hmm. you just said there. Definitely. And I think, like, when it comes to your
1: appearance, too, like, I think that, like, how do you feel sexy? Because we got so many questions on, like, I'm not sure if, like, I have too much body hair or should I bleach my asshole or, like, whatever. Like, do you look in the mirror? Like, do you feel comfortable with your body hair? Because if you're going to, like, shave yourself down to, like, look like a dolphin. Like, is that, if that, if you're not going to look in the mirror and be like, oh, I look sexy right now, then that is going to like, you're going to feel that and your partner's going to feel that. So like, if you feel sexier with some hair on your body, then keep the hair on your body because it's all about like how you feel. And like, eventually like that confidence will come through in the bedroom as well.
2: Absolutely, and being able to—if you have the capacity—being able to choose partners who align with what you your version of sexy is, right? So as opposed to, again, and this goes back back to, if I can find a man, I'll take any man to give me attention, kind of a thing. And when we do that, um, as opposed to choosing partners who actually align with our needs, then yeah, we end up doing things that don't actually make us feel good to appease the relationship, right? As opposed to yeah. partnering with someone who is just. Um, has similar interests as you and has some similar principles and values and is really funny, right? And then it's like, it doesn't fucking matter if you have hair in your legs, right? As opposed to something else. For me, I just going back to the like, what it feels, what makes you feel sexy thing? What has been important to me over the past, like maybe four years is I don't even give a fuck about being sexy. And I'm trying to just unpack that whole concept entirely of like, what the fuck does that even, how do we, what? Like, I don't, and that, and and also to say that I don't need to feel sexy or even have that as a goal in order to be sexual, if that makes sense. So I can still mm-hmm. occupy a body that is being full of pleasure and joy and being intimate with someone else if I choose. Um, and it doesn't have to be informed by or centered around if I feel sexy. Like, that's a hard thing to fucking maintain, mm-hmm. especially, because it's difficult to unpack that from what is considered sexy like societally so it's like I'm not even actually aiming to be sexy anymore I'm just aiming to be alive and Mm -hmm. to move my body and to smell good because I really like to smell good um, and to eat things that make me feel really divine um, and to do things with my body that make me feel joy like sitting out in the sun and like drinking tea so I'm that has been something that's important for me is just moving away from that and I will say oh (laughs) I it's unrealistic for sure to be like just don't date men because women want to fucking date men um and also as like a joke I really do say you learn so much and are able to unpack so much when you decrease your proximity from men
1: what you just said to me was so, so interesting and I love it so much because like being sexy and being sexual are two completely different things. And I think so many what? women feel the pressure to be sexy. And, yes. and I have never and, thought about and it and feel like, that. like they can't be sexual if they're not sexy. But like when you're in a long-term relationship, you think if I can go to bed with lingerie on every night? I literally have been wearing the same pair of sweatpants for two weeks. You know what yeah. I mean, like. But I still want to have sex and be sexual, even yes. if I'm not like wearing or feeling the sexiest. And I love that you can like differentiate the two because I feel like for so long, I kind of associated them together.
2: And that's also um, a concept that is only asked of non-men obsessed women to maintain. We're not even. Yeah. Talking to- Uh, men maintaining sexiness all the time. So what the fuck? It's like, I'm good. I don't need to be fucking sexy. Totally. Totally.
1: Um, something else that I think women struggle a lot with confidence wise, especially when they're dating new partners is having those conversations about like about STIs and using protection. And I mean, ran you're dating now. So like you can, you can speak more of this, but like, I know like when I was dating and having sex, like that's made me incredibly insecure and i just wouldn't know how to have the conversation so many times like i just wouldn't
2: yeah do you have a sense of like what would come up for you when you were entering into spaces where that conversation was going to happen and then you were like contemplating whether to do it and then you decided like fuck it i'm just not even gonna do it like do you have a sense of what was coming up for you
1: yes i actually can speak to like when steve and i had sex for the first time thinking like, oh my gosh, like, this is like amazing. We're having like so much fun being like, I should ask him to use a condom right now, but he doesn't, I didn't ask him to use a condom. And in my head I was like, okay, I just justified it because I was like, he just had a conversation with his friend right before this. And he called me his girl and like, we've been dating for a month and I just trusted him and felt comfortable. So I was kind of like, in the moment I was like, "Eh, whatever.
2: It sounds like yeah. you also didn't want to fuck it up. Like there's, it sounds like there was validation from you know being called "that's my girl" and it's going well, and I wanted to continue to go well. And so it sounds like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like there's, and this is for so many of us mm-hmm. in the moment. We don't want to fuck it up. We yes. really want to continue the validation. It feels good. I'm, I'm. Yes. Thank God. Yes, I love it. I don't want to screw that up. I don't want to make it awkward. I don't want to. Yes,
0: and I think for me too. Like I this has been a struggle for me is like, I, for me, and this is what I've, I've kind of recently been starting to understand this is that I am scared to do something or say something that will then make that me undesirable to them. So if I'm like, guess what? Hey, when was your last STD check? That's not a fucking sexy conversation to have. Right. Especially (laughs) when you're in it. Cause you're not like having it over dinner. Yeah. But guess what? owning your sexual health and taking care of yourself and not letting some Joe Schmo give you an STD is important and yes. it needs to be yeah. said and is, and but, but for me for so long, how I thought about sex and I'm still working through this is from a man's perspective, right? So I'm a straight woman dating straight men. And I, a lot of times I'm very have been in the past, very performative. And like everything I do is for them to have a good experience with me and to feel pleasure from me. Mm-hmm, and I'm tr- working, re- trying to work through that and change that. Y'all
2: are. Yeah. That is, that is the experience of cis women who fuck cis men. It is difficult even for me, right? Anytime that people are like, oh, you're so confident and, and, and so what. Bitch, I still have the same fucking difficulties negotiating ethical sexual experiences with men, too, which is largely why I'm not entering into them anymore, because it's not it's and it. okay, so so many things, actually. (laughs) The first thing I want to say before I forget is um, this also all goes back to what we just talked about around how we think of validation around men. Right. So we enter into these scenarios. I'm getting the validation that I've been seeking. I don't want to fuck it up. So I'm just going to go along with it because I want to continue the validation. So going back to unpacking your entire understanding and your value being tied to validation for men. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I'm sure that for most folks, there's something that comes up for us around our childhood and just how we handle conflict, mm. um, because we have trouble advocating for ourselves, setting boundaries. That is informed by the whole like male patriarchal shit, and is also informed by our family experiences. I got yelled at a lot. I. Um, knew that I wouldn't get in trouble if I hit, or I don't fucking know, like we all have fucking fucked up childhood shit. So thinking of how those early experiences, which are traumatic or at a minimum stressful, inform how we handle conflict and advocating for ourselves. So that's something to compound the boundary setting, advocating for yourself um, issue. And then I was going to say something else, but I forgot what it was. So come back to me.
0: Okay. Um, I know, but it, it's like, I think I, what I'm going to say on this topic is as someone who is dating, have the conversation. If you don't know if there's a new partner, wear a conda. Like, I just think it's not worth this guy have, it's just not worth it. And I've had to learn that, you know, through experience where I didn't speak up and I regretted it. So if you're listening having that conversation. Yes. It's not, maybe not sexy, but it's important. We should be doing it. So
2: definitely. Yes. Also, I remember what I was going to say. There's also this other piece where even if you do all of your like due diligence to practice working through your childhood trauma, working through the patriarchal context in which we exist, working through practicing, setting boundaries, um, practicing advocating for yourself, working through how you understand conflict. The thing about being a woman who engages in whatever with men, relationships, casual sex, is that it is still a man. It is still within the context of patriarchy and misogyny. So you can do all of this like training and I'm so smart now and I'm going into this, you know, with process my trauma and it can still go shitty. And I guess I just want to validate that it's hard. Yeah. So there, there isn't even like this level that you can like unlock and then it's all going to go smoothly. You can go in with better, you know, firmer tools and a, and a firmer sense of self. However, it's always going to be fucking hard. And that's why I said, like, I don't even do men anymore because it doesn't matter. It damn near doesn't matter how prepared I am or whatever. There's still going to be some kind of a scenario in which I'm battling something inside me where it's like, should I push through? Should I not? And then there's also the reality that you can do all the things and it's unsafe. Like men are fucking unsafe sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you can... I literally have had conversations with men around STDs, um, and they say th- offhand things to me like, if a bitch ever gave me um, chlamydia or something, I would kill them or I would beat them up. Like, that's a real sentiment. That's a real thing that patriarchy is violence. So, there's just also this piece mm-hmm. that, yeah, uh, again, to just reaffirm, it doesn't, it also doesn't matter how much you do, there's still going to <laughs> ongoingly be these like scary and difficult situations mm-hmm. with men
1: which is well, why shit. it's so important to find a partner that like <laughs> helps make you, that makes you feel safe too. Yeah. Super, super Ab- important. Absolutely. Okay. So what if you are cis woman with a cis man, right? You and you yep. guys, like for me, for instance, right? I've been in a relationship for 11 fucking years, long time. Um, if you're with a partner and things are going great, but you want to spice up your sex life. I feel like a lot of people are having super bland vanilla sex but want more and just do not know how to have those conversations and it kind of goes back to like having those conversations of sex can just be awkward and uncomfortable but if you're with a partner who you feel safe with and you want to explore more how do you start those conversations and do them so confidently
2: yeah a couple of things. So I guess the first thing is that I would argue if you have been with a partner for a while and you're struggling to figure out how to approach a conversation around like how to spice up your sex life, that maybe it's not as safe as mm-hmm. it ought to be. So that's going to be an entry point to just figuring out how to have better conversations is like we've been together for so long and I do feel comfortable in so many ways. And also I'm feeling uncomfortable at this, about this specific topic. I wonder why. Um, and like seeing what comes up around that. Um, the other thing is when people have been together for a long time, one of the things that shifts is not necessarily that the sex is like, so vanilla, it's that y'all fucking know each other a lot, um, and become enmeshed in a way that is no longer hot. Like mm. when you're dating someone and it's early and even like a couple of years in, there's still individuality between the two of you. Um, you're still discovering new things about them. You're still... You know, seeing them in new situations where you're like, oh, wow, that's fucking surprising. And when you've been together for a long time, that individuality is like no longer there for the most part. And part of like monogamous relationships, at least, is like, I need to know everything about you. Tell me everything about you. And we like press this that we have to become one thing which actually makes sex less desirable over time because part of what makes you attracted to your partner is that they are different, not that y'all are the same fucking unit. So I think even a starting point beyond, yeah, reevaluating what's coming up for you if you're feeling uncomfortable is also figuring out how you can pull apart a bit. How can you have recreate individuality in a way that you don't even have to like go get handcuffs, just that separation will already kind of reignite
0: and that can sex. be just like you mean like in the sense of like just having your own individual like interests and that could be like any like I don't know if you want why am I thinking of knitting that's the the most lame thing I could have just thought of I was like if she wants to go knit she should go to a knitting class and then you know I don't know why I just thought of that but it can be obviously it's it's outside of the bedroom and just individually within the relationship right
2: Absolutely. It means reaffirming and redefining what your individual like identities are separate from each other. So that can mean, yeah, me going out to learn a new hobby and you going out to learn a new fucking hobby. And that can mean uh, us having just generally more time apart and not needing to be up under each other. Twenty four fucking seven. Um, that can be me actually discovering something new about you, because sometimes we feel like we know so much about our partner um, and it also has become routine that we're not even uh Taking into consideration things that we that technically would be new. So, for instance, I'm thinking about like if my partner is an artist or some shit, and I'm like, Yeah, they're an artist, they do art, they draw every day, whatever. But maybe I haven't gone to an exhibition in a while that they have, they're talking at and they're showing their art, and I'm seeing them in their fucking element where they're super talented, and that's fucking hot. But I overlook that because I know that they're an artist. So, it's like, eh, I'm not going to go to the thing. I, I, you know, I, I went to that the first two years we were dating. It's like that kind of stuff too, it's just reaffirming. That your two individual identities, um, that space again then creates room for desire to grow again without having to do the whole like acrobatic kink right shit. Because some people, that's just not even going to fit into their sex lives regardless. Right.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. And I would argue that way more people need to do that now, especially after being, going through a pandemic and spending so much time with your partners. Because if you're working from home, if you're seeing each other every single day, like day and night, you know what I mean? Like having that individual space is so important.
2: And yeah. And this goes for like families too, right? Like if y'all have kids, there is there's something about kids that is just not sexual. It is not, it just does not, <laughs> it is not giving what's supposed to be gave. And so, and there's also something about the identities that become motherhood, fatherhood, parenthood that, yeah, decrease desire because of the enmeshment around it. So, yeah, doing your best at minimum for just as a starting point. And I say this also because I I sometimes think it's unrealistic when people like approach me for advice around sex, and it's like we're let's talk about the basic shit before I'm like teaching you how to deep throw upside down. Like let's actually <laughs> start here before we just go zero to sixty. Um, so that's like a, a more I think accessible way to like spice things up.
1: No, I think that's really good advice and definitely way more accessible.
0: Yeah, before you jump into before you jump into the deep end, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Um. Oh my gosh, this was so good. This was a good combo. I'm like, okay. Um, No, I loved hearing your perspective. And I just think that it's good to have these conversations because we shouldn't feel like taboo talking about it. Like we said in the beginning, Um, can you plug yourself and let our audience know everywhere that they can find you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow me on Twitter. It's Raquel underscore Savage. Raquel is R-A-Q-U-E-L. On Instagram, Raquel Savage. On OnlyFans, Raquel Savage. Patreon, where I post educational content, again, spanning from sex and sexuality, trauma, um, therapy, any educational stuff. Patreon.com slash Raquel Savage is where you can find all of my things or just RaquelSavage.com.
0: Thank you so Thank much you. Raquel, we appreciate it. In side note, before we started recording, I was talking, we were talking to Raquel and we think maybe, cause I've got this question before and um, how to spice up like your dirty photos. I'm like, maybe we need to do a workshop. So we're going to talk about this. Cause I think, okay, I'm like, I think that could be so cool. I think so too. Yeah. And all right, so we're going to email you. So stay tuned everybody. <laughs>
1: Thanks Raquel.
0: Thanks.
1: Thanks.
0: All right. Time for Ask
1: Away with Ray K. Ray, hit us.
0: Your voice just sounded so s- sultry. <laughs> I'm excited. This is how we're reading these questions I think this now. is how we
1: should do our whole podcast now.
0: I think so, too. <laughs> I just wanted to call you mommy for some reason. Ew. Mommy. <laughs> no, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, gals. All right, I got to get out of it. Hey, gals. I had a question come up that I wanted to ask you. I am a mid-sized woman, and I am a pretty confident person. And like anybody else, some days you're more confident than others in your current body, shape, or size. My question is, what do you say to a friend when they say, I don't like that photo, don't post that, I look fat, or this dress makes me feel fat, or do my arms look chubby? Whenever I am in a situation where a friend is fat shaming themselves, I just don't know what is the right thing to do or say. Should I say nothing at all? Should I hype them up? Also, sometimes the friends that are saying this are in smaller bodies than mine. I don't take their comments personally, but it doesn't make me feel, but it does make me feel a type of way. Overall, I don't want them to be thinking or saying negative things about themselves and their body because they deserve to celebrate who they are at any stage. But how should I respond to these comments?
1: Wow. I feel like this happens all the time to all of us. Growing up, I had so many friends who would always be like, Oh, I hate the way I look. I look fat. I look fat. And like they were always thinner than me. And it's hard that even if you're confident to like not let that get in your head. Um, But for me, if I were in this situation, I would hype, try and hype the person up. But also, like, you don't have to, if it were you saying, I hate the way this dress looks on me or don't post that, I look fat in this, I would be like, I freaking love that dress. Can I borrow that dress? And I, I think I would hype them up because mm-hmm. I do think that sometimes people need those words of affirmation. Yeah. Personally.
0: I think it's hard. And I think I'm, I'm thinking back to like, if I've had any situations recently and sometimes I don't say something because it is as touchy. It's like, you don't want to make them, Hmm, how do I say this? I guess most of the time, honestly, if I'm thinking about these situations. I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like, you look incredible." But then it goes back into this like fat phobia thing, where it's like, we, when we call ourselves like, w- w- why do we always want to be looking skinny all the time? You know. Mm-hmm. But that's like a whole deeper conversation to have. But right. I think that if someone is feeling down about themselves and a friend is feeling down about themselves, I think it's okay to be like, don't say that about yourself. Like you are a stunning goddess who is all of these amazing things and like, tell them that and hype them up. And I think naturally if you do that and don't let them talk poorly about themselves, they're going to know that when you're they're in your space, they can't, they're not going to do that. Totally. And hopefully carry that on to when they're not with you as well. And
1: I do think that one of the worst things you can do which I have, always done is be like, oh, I feel so fat and ugly too. Because you don't want to let someone else's energy like that, like bring you down. Cause that kind of just encourages that back and forth. And all of a sudden, like if I were you, if you are feeling confident, and good about yourself, be like, look at my new jeans. Like I love these jeans. Like everyone needs a pair of them. They make me feel so great in my body. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that type of energy and that confidence starts to become contagious. Mm-hmm.
0: So have you ever had a smaller friend, like in front of you be like, Oh, I feel so fat today. Or I look f- so fat in this photo
1: literally my entire childhood, teenage years, college years, I was always so much bigger than my friends. Like by, I honestly would say like I would feel like a hundred pounds bigger than some of my friends. I know I was a hundred pounds yes. bigger
0: than some of my you friends. I mean?
1: So much bigger. And they would always be like, I will never ever forget going on like spring break in Mexico with some of my friends who are all so petite, so skinny and be like, oh, I'm so bloated. I feel so fat today, I look so fat. And me as someone who's like triple their size, just trying to like. Be cute in my tankini and like feel comfortable <laughs> my in my skin. Skirt. So it is
0: hard. You know what I mean? Did you have the confidence back then to
1: say something or no? I think I always was like, oh my gosh, you look amazing. Like you're so skinny. Like I think I would probably say things like that. Which back in the day. Oh my God, day, you're so
0: skinny. skinny yeah. So, yeah. Like I wish I was like that skinny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. And I I think now it's like, I haven't been in that situation, but I think... I think if you have a close friendship with someone and you have that deep, you know, connection, I think it's okay to be like, hey, girl, like when you say that, it kind of makes me feel bad about myself yeah. because I'm bigger than you. And if you're thinking about that about yourself, it, it, it brings out my insecurity. And I think that we just need to, when we, you know, when we're together and, and apart, like do our best to not... Feed into this negative self talk and like, let's just hype ourselves up. Like, let's not feed into this. Right. The only other thing I'll say
1: about that is like, sometimes people do have bad days where they don't look good and their angles are bad. Like, right now, Ryan, I look like shit. (laughs) And if you said to me, If I I came in, I was like, look how bad I look. And if you were like, I think you look so beautiful. I'd be like, man, shut the fuck up.
0: (laughs) No, you said, and I was like, yeah, we're not looking our best today. But I think there's a difference between that because I think we have this relationship where we know we are inherently like secure with ourselves. Right. But
1: if a friend was like,
0: I look so bad in this photo, I don't like it. And
1: you know, sometimes, you know, deep down, like your friend does not look good. Her best in that photo. It's okay
0: to laugh about it. It's okay to be
1: like, yeah, girl, this isn't your best angle. Let's take another one. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I feel like that is like how that is good friendship and like hyping each other up in that way. And that I think like, I would want that if you told me. (laughs) It's like fake. It's that's
0: fake. You don't want to be fake. No, I think that's a good point. I'm glad Mm -hmm. you brought that up because like that is sometimes like you take photos in it. not that one you sent me the other day wasn't your best photo oh
1: my (laughs) gosh we should put that in the facebook group
0: oh my gosh um and you know what that's okay to laugh about because also it's just like getting us away from thinking that we need to look skinny and beautiful all the time like we fucking don't yeah exactly oh all right well we hope that helped love you bye